welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome, fellow Ronto Wranglers, to Great Shot Kid, the Nerd Party Network's show examining the work of Star Wars creators both within and without the Star Wars galaxy. I'm one of your hosts, John. And I'm Mike. And we are here today with a very, very special episode, a special edition, if you will, Mike, because we find ourselves... Ooh. I know, right? We, I find, <laughs> we find ourselves celebrating the uh if that's the right word the 20th anniversary of the star wars special edition released in january of 1997 january uh, 31st 1997 so yeah. the day that this episode is dropping on a tuesday that's why we're dropping yes. on a tuesday it's a very very special episode which uh if i may say here on the nerd party network will pair nicely with a special commentary Uh, over on Aggressive Negotiations of Star Wars, uh, the special edition version as it appears on the Um, Blu-rays. The the 2004 edition. No, 2011 edition. There were changes between the DVD and the Blu-ray. Oh, yeah, you're right. There were. You're right. You're right. The most recent up-to-date version of George Lucas's master vision of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope special edition. Um, But in that vein... Uh, I do want to just, let's just go ahead. 1997, we roll back the clock. Everybody is sitting in a movie theater at some point. For a lot of us, it was in front of uh, Independence Day. Uh, for others, it was in front of other movies. But that that Star Wars music comes up. The It's from the end of The Empire Strikes Back as the fleet is gathered. And there's a little television screen. And you see Star Wars playing on the television screen, not letterboxed, pay in the scan. And it's saying, For an entire generation, people have experienced Star Wars the only way it's been possible on the TV screen. But if you've only seen it this way, you haven't seen it at all. X Wing comes out, and the whole crowd goes, Oh my God, that's the action. Yeah. Okay. I want to go back. Did you make any special plans for that because people knew that preview was coming out and this is the days before i mean huge internet like the the marketing machine on the internet was not what it is now obviously the trailer what was it a surprise to you the first time you saw it did you know it was coming down the pike yeah i knew well i think if i'm not mistaken what happened was it premiered on independence day at like one theater in san francisco like basically so george lucas could watch it with a crowd or whatever and Uh then it didn't actually you know play again until i think it was with space jam i believe space jam was the first time i saw it i don't know oh really could be wrong about that i i know i definitely saw it on space jam because I went to see Space Jam at McClure Court, and uh, okay. which was the absolute best theater in in Chicago, R.I.P. McClure Court, and that's <laughs> where you know everyone would go to see a movie like Star Wars, you know. And yeah. I remember seeing it on that, and I also remember seeing it on Mars Attacks, and just being like, "This is so amazing! This is the most amazing thing I've seen," you know, because it was Star Wars on the big screen which is something yeah. that I had not experienced outside of seeing Return of the Jedi when I was three years old. And, you know... Yeah. Like See, re- I, I, I'm old enough to have memories of seeing the originals in the theater 
at the time. I even have one of my favorite childhood memories um, isn't even necessarily attached with the first movie. I remember with the first movie, um, the re-release in 79, uh, my mom having to leave the theater because she got a migraine. But it was so special and important to her little boy that like she just sat out in the lobby while I, you know, just went nuts and, you know, made a shopping list of things I wanted. But um, I, I one of my favorite memories with the originals is when Empire Strikes Back was out going to see it with my dad and they didn't have, you know, the the the. 20 minutes of regal cinemas ads where it's like, you know, Nissan cars and upcoming television shows and stuff like that. Those are by Maria Menounos or whatever. (laughs) And they would just play music, right? Just to get you in the mood while you're sitting there waiting for a movie and everything. And over the speakers was Cantina Band. Uh I remember being, you know, my before Empire Strikes Back opened, being there, my, my little young self and my dad sitting next to me and my dad loved the whimsical side of star wars and when cantina band came on being horribly embarrassed because my dad started dancing along with it and he's like doo, doo, doo. i was like dad, dad dad no 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 not public not public and but he <laughs> he fully embraced it he had a great time um then flash forward to the 90s there was a special charity showing of the uh of the original three um Gosh, I, I forget precisely what year it was, but I went with a bunch of my friends. It was it was hosted by a local radio station. So I had seen the original originals on the big screen just a few years before the special editions came out. So I was all excited anyway, but I was like, oh, good. You know, I, like I had a recent memory of it. Yeah. But I was still very excited and intrigued because the changes were known. You know, and a few new surprises, and yeah. Jabba comes on screen. I, you know, I was right. like when when I first heard about it, you know, like in ninety five or ninety six, I was under the impression that they were changing all of the effects. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. when I saw the trailer, I'm like, "What's this? How come there aren't?" You know, and then like my my friend who was older and and wiser than me was like, no, they're not doing all of them. They're just doing, you know, a, a few key things. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. You know? And yeah. it, it was weird because, like, you know, part of me, you know, because there weren't a lot of, like, deleted scenes and stuff out there, you know? You'd hear right. about them. You know, you'd see pictures and stuff. I but, wanted the big scene put right. back in so bad as a fan. I wanted that so hard. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I held out hope until the last possible moment that it was going to be yeah. snuck in there. Yeah. And and part of me was thinking, like, I just want to see it all. And another part of me was thinking, like, okay, I the the reason why this is special is because we're getting to see these movies on the big screen and I don't want them to ruin this movie, you know, just by just because they they feel like they need to put a bunch of stuff in or whatever. So yeah. I was like sort of on the fence and I was just sort of starting to develop this philosophy which I carry to this day, you know, which you know, I've talked about a lot on everything whatever, which is you know sort of like always like I don't really care about what the best version is of a certain movie. I want to watch what the director preferred version is of a certain movie. And we can debate whether or not the choices made by the director were good or bad, you know, till we're blue in the face. But, you know, it's, it's 
art, you know, and art yeah. is not a democracy. It's a cheerocracy, and the director is the cheer-tater. Yeah. So I want to yep. see whichever version the director wants me to see. And in the case of A, a New Hope, it's clear, because Lucas is the guy making the changes. In the yeah. case of Empire, it's a little less clear. In the case of Return of the Jedi, it's really freaking obvious because Richard Marquand was not alive when the special edition came out. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, now, okay. So let, let's go ahead and fast forward because I had read an article. I forget what magazine it was in, but I'd read an article where I, I was getting hyped. I was trying to avoid spoilers for some reason. I was like, it's Star Wars. How, how can you spoil anything? <laughs> right. But I remember opening the, because they were like all the, all the inside scoop on the special edition. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, so I pick up the magazine and I'm reading it. And the very first line in it was, Greedo fires first, question mark? Not so, you say. And I went, fires first? What? What are you talking about? And it, it starts talking about it. And I was like, well, I, I, I mean, I got to see that. But that, okay, that, that sounds weird. Because, you know, and McCallum is quoted, was quoted in the article. I wish I still had the magazine, but I remember specifically McCallum being quote, quoted as saying, we went through the archives, we found this alternate shot of Greedo and Han. We didn't think we were going to be able to do it, but we were able to do it, and it's a great thing, and we brought it in. And, you know, McCallum was McCallum in the quote. You know, everything we did was the greatest thing that you ever saw sort of thing. So yeah, McCallum is amazing. He's 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 my favorite part of the prequel trilogy. <laughs> it's just his yeah. presence, you know. He he is he's, uh, like more than anyone else who worked on like Star Wars. I want to hang out with Rick McCallum because he seems like he'd be the most fun to hang out with. Uh, he he does. He seems to me also to be. Um, the like the press sector like Lucas didn't want to go on the speaking tour basically yeah and so McCallum was the guy that had to go out and sell the idea of yeah. of the special edition to the world and he he definitely he definitely worked you know overtime to do it yeah so let's go ahead and fast forward it's I'm presuming you saw it on opening night as I did I saw it on opening day because okay. I, mean, I had just turned 17 two days prior. Okay. I went to the DMV that that day to get my my state ID so I could get into R-rated movies. I went to see Everyone <laughs> Says I Love You the next day since I was not allowed to see it the, like three days prior. Wow, you were a rap scallion, Mike. I know. Like I, I, I honestly <laughs> like I have absolutely no recollection of turning twenty one. I have no recollection of turning 18, <laughs> but I remember turning 17 because it meant I could get into any movie I wanted to. And, you know, the the movie that I wanted to get into more than anything was Star Wars, you know, special edition. Yeah. And I remember my, I, I guess I was a junior in high school, you know, and I was not the type of kid who would like ditch class or anything. You know, yeah. I'd pretend to be sick all the freaking time, but I would never actually like ditch class. Yeah. And I said to, you know, my, my parents, I'm like, this is, you know, this is huge. I've never seen this movie on the big screen. You know how much I love this movie. I need to see it on the big screen. So uh, my dad took me and then my friends, Zach and and uh, James, to uh, McClure Court to see the very first show on opening day. You know, I mean, I remember it vividly. Yeah. We took the train down. We ate at the uh, the, the food court on uh, like 800 North Michigan. And then we, we walked over to the theater. 
and it, it was yeah. amazing. It it was absolutely amazing for more than any other reason because I was seeing Star Wars on the big screen, but also on like the biggest screen in in the city and THX, you know, certified, you know, picture and sound, and yeah. it was it was amazing. So you saw it that night. Uh, well, I, I I actually saw it uh, twice. I saw it that day, and then I saw it that night. Okay. I, I started a very very long standing Star Wars movie tradition that that was not broken for quite a while. Of I had to see it before anybody else, and then you know, and, and there was no midnight showing before yeah episode one. Like that didn't happen. So I saw it the earliest possible showing I could get to, which was noon twelve thirty something like that. I can't remember specifically. And I remember seeing it. And then I remember sort of like, wow, yeah, I saw Star Wars on the big screen. You know, like, and the changes sort of like washed over me. I was like, oh, wow, whatever. And then I saw it that second time that night with a group of friends, with a whole bunch of friends. And I don't remember the experience of seeing it that time so much as going to the Wendy's that was across the street from the movie theater. And uh, it wasn't an especially special uh, movie theater, it was a, a Sony theater. Um, now Lowe's, Lowe's then now, Sony then Lowe's now that then yeah. AMC, yeah. So Sony to Lowe's to AMC, yes. So are. we <laughs> we go over to the Wendy's, and I remember specifically, I was one of the ones leading the charge, mocking the hell out of the Greedo shot, yeah. Saying to everybody because there were people ragging on everything about it, like they hated every change. And I said, the only one I'm going to give you is that Greedo shot looked terrible. Yeah. And I remember harping on it. I came to peace with it over time. And I said, yeah, it doesn't look great, but I get what he was going for. So, okay. And I just sort of like rolled with it. I was like, all right, you know, whatever. It doesn't ruin the movie for me. I, but that was definitely, I remember that very first conversation with, you know, a group of friends, you know, harping on that. But I also remember the very lackluster reception of Jabba. <laughs> like yeah. People did not care for it in the least. And I would say that I was in a different place back then than I am now, where any criticism back then, I felt the need to defend mm-hmm. as a Star Wars fan. I felt such such a sense of ownership over over the property since I was a fan that I felt the need to be Lucas's mouthpiece in any conversation where, you know, something negative was said. I, I would say I'm definitely at a different place 20 years later. Yeah. Um, where I can, I can, you know, maybe cast a, a more critical eye at things and say, yeah, but, or something like that. But I definitely remember in the moment, it was, it was almost as if the, the excitement was undercut by the fact that, we had seen Star Wars on the big screen. I had had the good fortune of seeing it on the big screen a couple of years before. But here we were, and we weren't talking about, we didn't come out of it saying, oh, wow, that was so cool. Oh, wow, I loved seeing that on the big screen. Oh, wow, that was you know neat. We came out of it arguing. Mm-hmm. You know, like talking about what we didn't like about it. Talking about what we wish he hadn't done. And it's such an interesting moment because I think it was very much the first gathering storm clouds of what was going to happen in 99. Yeah. I think he definitely telegraphed where he had gone as an artist with, with the special edition. And I think if we look back on it with sober eyes, 
we can look back on it and say, that's really the flashpoint. That's like the Fort Sumter of the fan civil war that was coming, <laughs> you know, like it, it broke yeah. there and it just got uglier as it, as it went on. No, that's definitely true. And, you know, I mean, like my, my personal reaction, I think I, I was similar to you in that I was like, you know, going to defend, you know, this thing, you know, I mean, I wasn't defending Jedi, you know, an empire was r- really kind of a struggle for me, but with, with, a new hope. My my feeling was really like this. These changes do improve the movie, you know. And I still feel that way for the most part. I don't have a problem with the Jabba scene. I see how it's unnecessary. I don't have a problem with most of the effects, you know, shots. I think that the stuff at the end actually improves the the movie quite a bit. Um, but you're right about the Greedo scene. Although, in addition to it looking bad. That was not nearly as big of a problem as, you know, how it changed, you know, the content. You know, I think I think that's worth I think that's worth talking about because this is definitely something where I I think that, um, you know, over time and I, you know, we've made reference to the, the Walter Murch book and everything and about how they went back to Apocalypse Now uh, which was year, you know, years after when they did Apocalypse Now Redux and they recut it. They said, well, you know, decisions we make are going to change certain things. And I really do. I have really come to the opinion that if he wanted to make it so that we didn't see Han kill in his first confrontation with somebody, which I I think blunts his arc a bit, you know, in, in terms of his character development, but if you put the Jabba scene in there, then the Greedo scene is unnecessary and vice versa. Yeah, no, that's true. Because they both say essentially the same thing. I have actually become an advocate in later years that leave Jabba in and get rid of Greedo. As much as it pains me. But if you want to make it so that the mob boss is directly telling Han, I'm going to kill you, you can just have a reference to the fact that Han killed somebody sometime in the past. You don't need to see it on screen necessarily. And then you have that tie-in to Return of the Jedi later. Oh, this is the guy Han talked to back in Star Wars. It makes sense that I'm seeing him again. Well, I think what you do is you rewrite the dialogue in in that scene, in the Greedo scene. Leave the Greedo scene in, make it shorter, change the dialogue so that Greedo's saying something different. You know, probably what was originally intended. I don't know what it was, but, you know, because obviously the Greedo scene was still in there. But that's not even the problem. I mean, the problem is obviously what it does to the character of Han Solo, you know, and I think that's why people dislike it so much. It's not because of the technical aspect. It's because of how it changes Han Solo. Certainly, that's what all of my friends were complaining about. You know, those are definitely the the the, the complaints that I've had. No one cares about yeah. how bad it looks, you know. See, for, for me, it's not it's not even so much what it does with the arc of Han Solo. Like, I, I, you know, like I get what Lucas is saying and everything, but my problem with Lucas's argument about, well, I didn't want Han to fire first because it's him killing in cold blood. No, it's not kill- him killing in cold blood. Yeah. The guy has a gun on him and says, I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. If you do not view that as a valid self-defense moment, then my philosophies are extremely different. If somebody sits down across the table from me mm-hmm. and they have a gun pointed at me and I have a gun under the table and they say, yeah, well, you know, too bad. I'm going to kill you. You're going to die. I am not waiting for them to pull the trigger to defend myself in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's what that's the sort of mental disconnect that is baffling to me in that scene. And that's why I say, 
okay, if his concern is that he somehow views that as Han killing somebody in cold blood, which I don't see it as that at all, but if he views it that way, then removing the Greedo scene entirely solves your problem. Mm-hmm. And putting Jabba in, everything is solved. Everything is fixed. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I think that that the act of of Han killing Greedo it does it does define the character a bit in itself, though. Not that he's not justified in doing it, but just the way that he does it so casually and everything like that speaks to his character. You know, sure. You know, so I mean, I don't know. I that that I I don't know. That's the the one change in the movie. I mean, there's some other stuff which I'm like, ah, oh, they probably should have left it the way it was. But that's the one change in in you, Star Wars that I'm I'm like, ah, oh, that. You know, really you know what? One change really bothers me a lot, and it's weird because I've never heard. Like, I'm sure there are others out there, but I've never heard anybody else harp on it quite as much as it sort of kills me inside. Uh-huh. But there's an added element when. Um, and it's not the Ronto walking in front, which I'm not nuts about. But when when Luke gets pulled over for the yeah. questioning, you know these droids and everything. That droid that flies by, and hovers around the 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 you know the stormtrooper doing the questioning, mm-hmm. annoys the living tar out of me. Oh, that doesn't bother it, me. I mean, like the it's thing a distract. That... It is. It's a distraction. It's unnecessary. It makes noise. It like distracts you from what's going on. It's like. It was fine. It was framed great, and you didn't need to change. And it's you see the thing later going around with them, and it's like, okay, it's fine in there. I don't care about that where it's like, you know, flying around and everything, but I, I just hate it. I, I think it disrupts the shot. I think it disrupts the moment. I think that the added noise disrupts everything. I just I'm definitely not a fan of it. Not I mean, the, the thing that my friend always complains about, which I think is is – you know, a problem is, you know, the Ronto walking in front where it's like a completely obscuring the frame for like a good portion of that scene where you're like literally like, I cannot see what's going on in this in this shot, you know, I mean, that's kind of crazy. But I don't know, you know, I mean, the the the, the Star Wars special edition to me is in a lot of ways the least interesting debate of the three, you know, because. Yeah. The, you know, you're getting into some like proprietary, you know, territory with like Empire in particular, you know, and that was the one which I was most conflicted on because like when I saw it and I saw that movie, I think I saw it seven times in the theater just because it became like the thing to do. It's like, oh, you know, school's out. I'm going to walk down to the lake theater and and watch empire strikes back because i have a chance to see empire strikes back on the big screen i've been waiting my entire life for this i'm going to do this whenever i get the chance you know and um the while the changes to empire were you know very minimal i think a lot of them were problematic in particular the thing that really bothered me was the whole added you know bring my shuttle not bring my shuttle you know sequence because that really for my star destroyer to prepare for my arrival yeah that's the line that replaced my favorite line in empire strikes back (laughs) no i'm dead i'm dead serious it's so simple my favorite moment my favorite moment in all of empire strikes back and i know this sounds weird but after you see it you know a hundred thousand times you you fixate on the tiny stuff james earl jones's line delivery when he rounded that corner and just bring my shuttle, like 
Yeah. It's terrifying. You yeah. know that the first person that steps in front of him is dead. Mm-hmm. Nobody is stepping in front of him. Nobody is saying anything unless they are directly addressed. And what annoys me about it is they could have left that line read in. They could have left bring my shuttle and then cut and shown the shuttle landing. Yeah, it's like we it's not like that scene needed clarification, you know. Right. And you know, we didn't need all that extra stuff either because we you know, understand that he he was going up to the ship, you know. It was completely unnecessary. I well, okay. I don't mind the insertion of showing Vader, you know, going to his ship to sort of like try to increase this feeling of like, you know, oh god, he's he's going back and and you know, and they're trying to run it. What bothered me about it in '97 was that the sound editing completely fell apart during it. You could tell specifically where it's like. Dun, 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 and then yeah. and it's like ah no no stop it but but that's not see like that to me is not the problem is not really the sound editing is the fact that you know the scene including the music was constructed without that crap in there you know so they do have to stop it you know but the but the thing is the sound mix on the blu-ray is better they, they, st- they, he kept tweaking things and i think that that speaks very much, especially with um, you know any later changes that were made on you know DVD and then Blu-ray, I think very much speak to the fact that in '97 he accidentally created more problems than he resolved yeah. with the stuff that he added in, and I I think that it was neat to tinker with, but I think that there is. I think that there is a very unique sort of uh, uh, battle of wills that happened between the fans and between Lucas Mm -hmm. in the sense that I think if the fans had accepted it and said, oh, this is wonderful. We love both versions. This is so cool. He would have said, yeah, it is kind of cool, but here's the original, too. Yeah. But because people came back at him so hard, he dug in his heels and said, screw you. This is the version you're going to get, you know? Yeah, what what I think is interesting about the changes that he made, you know, later on for home video and stuff like that is the fact that they were not advertised, you know. Right. He and they they were hidden and people were finding them for a long time afterwards and you know, that to me shows sort of like the sincerity in his beliefs that this is the the best way to to watch the movie because yeah. you know he says that in 1997 and you're like screw you George Lucas you're just trying to you know get people into the theater and i think by you know his own you know admission he would probably tell you that like more than anything what he would want is for people to see this movie on the big screen and adding stuff to it basically gives you an excuse to re-release it, you know, because you say like, oh, the, I mean, I, I will never forget this. I will never forget like going to Celebration 4, right, which was for the 30th anniversary, right, yep. 2007. Yep. And the day before, they were doing a marathon of all six movies, right? And we came in and, you know, I lined up to get my tickets to make sure that I got in to, to, to see all six movies. Because for, to me, this was like the the centerpiece of the entire convention was getting to see all six movies on the big screen. You know, it was kind of a terrible presentation. Were you there? I'm curious. 
I was not able to go to Celebration 4 because my first child had been born and I had to forfeit my vacation time uh, so that I could uh, tend to her while my wife was working for a week because the baby was still uh, breastfeeding. And so I uh, spent a lamentable week in the godforsaken city known as Atlanta instead of going to Celebration 4. And uh, as you can tell from my uh, loving uh, recounting of the tale, it took me a while to get over that one, Mike. Well, you oh, know. but don't don't worry. I have a horrible uh, reason why I missed Celebration 5 and Celebration 6. I, I miss... Um, I, I, well, I, anyway. I, I I miss Celebration 5. I haven't been to a Celebration since 4, so, you know. I haven't been to one since 3. Well, I've only been to 3 and 4, so there you go. I have only been to 1, 2, and 3. Well, there you go. And, That's one uh, more than me. Anyway. Yeah, well, the, you know. The thing, the thing about Celebration 4, you know, and, and that, that screening or whatever, is, like, while I was, you know, like, getting my passes, my tickets to see this, and I still have my pin hanging up. Uh, right, right there. And as I'm getting the tickets from the person who's distributing the tickets, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah," the the, the woman distributing the tickets is like, "I don't understand. Haven't you guys seen all of these movies already?" And I'm like, "We're coming like to Los Angeles, <laughs> yeah, to celebrate." 30 years of Star Wars, why is it such a strange idea that someone would want to see this, this on the big screen? And But that is, you know, you need to have a hook. You know, the the, the latest hook that, that Lucas came up with was 3D, you know? Converted Still to want to see 2 and 3 in 3D. And me too. I'm, I'm hoping that we'll get to at Celebration yeah. 4. I'm really, really hoping that we're going to get to I will be first in line for those tickets. Yeah. If I, if I, I mean, especially I want to see that opening sequence in 3 and 3D. Yeah, and the thing is, this is coming from somebody who, as you well know, as anybody who is listening to my voice well knows, I despise 3D in general. Yeah, but I would watch the hell out of that opening in Episode Three in 3D because I am sure that looks crazy good. Yeah, I wish they would release it on Blu-ray in 3D, but I just saw an article about how, like, the last television manufacturers have stopped making 3D TVs. So, yep, <sighs> Sad. format's dead. Yeah. But let's all get 4K, which means absolutely nothing. But hey, well, that's more Ks than I had before, right? It is. How many Ks can your uh, eyes see, though? You know, I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. The the the, <laughs> the cinematographer for Episode Eight, yeah. the Last of the Jedi, the Last hey, Jedi, the Last of the Last Jedi, whatever it is. Yes, not Last of the Jedi. The, the last, last Jedi. Yes, the 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 cinematographer for Star Wars Episode Eight, the Last Jedi, um, just released a bunch of things because he does like all these like research and like whatever about like resolution and viewing angles and everything like that. You can find all this information up online. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. basically, he was with like a cinematographer you know, group or whatever, where he basically sat down with these guys, these professionals, and proved that basically you cannot tell the difference between 2K and 4K. It's, like, impossible. But it's more Ks, Mike. It is more Ks. It's definitely more Ks. That's like, you know? it's like I, I got a, I got a uh, you know, I had a 3G phone, uh-huh. and now I got an LTE, so I'm not sure how many Gs I have anymore. <laughs> It's really driving me nuts. Like I, I need a, I need to know a G here. 
I know, I know. It 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 does kick it up another three or four quads per channel. I, I think. But <laughs> I will never ever get tired of that <laughs> reference. And I will tell you that I know you know that when he called it the TK four two one, I was laughing just as loud as you were. I was like, oh my god, oh my god. There's so many geeky things. I mean, then they reference Star Wars just straight up later on. Like, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, people tell me I look like I Han, look Solo. Like Han Solo. But then when they start singing, you got the touch. I was like, "What is this? What yeah. world are we living in? This is you, amazing!" Uh, please, I, uh, I, one of the first things I did was I, I went and I looked up and I wanted to see if uh, the singer of of the Touch, Stan Bush, had had a career I didn't know about. <laughs> no, nope. and I'm sure that my Google searches, I don't know, I'm on a database somewhere because <laughs> I kept, I, I was determined to find out if that singer had a his like they were making some references. The answer is no. The, the the real reason behind that, you know, as as explained by Paul Thomas Anderson, is that he was in like a used like record store at one point and he was going through like the 99 cent cassette bin and yeah. he found the soundtrack for Transformers the movie. Oh, and he's gosh. like, oh, my God, I have to buy this. You know, what an amazing soundtrack it was. It was. I've, I've got it. I've got it on CD. You know? I still got it. Yeah. 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 Vince anyway. Dicola. Composer from Rocky Four did yeah. the music. Come on, yeah, which you can totally tell if you listen to. to oh, you watch. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're yeah, showing yeah. Rocky Four and thirty-five millimeter in a couple weeks here in Chicago. I'm tempted to go see it just for that score. That yeah. is the world's longest music video. <laughs> yep. Anyway, yeah. yeah, but yes, the the Empire Special Edition. I was a little like eh, iffy on. I have to say, um, and, you know, I was, was, like, collecting these articles where, like, interviews and stuff with with, uh, Irvin Kirshner where he talked about them to see, to try to determine, like, which version does he prefer? Which version should I be watching? And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, basically, like, reading his statements, he's always very diplomatic about it, you know, but he basically, I think, what his feelings are are you know the restoration to the picture and the sound were much more significant than anything that was added to the movie and because of that you know it's he prefers the special editions just because he prefers the better picture and sound which means if these things ever do get released in 4k if it's the theatrical cut that's probably going to be the new thing because it's more k's well more k's more fun yes more drama and then jedi like i like the jedi special edition for the most part aside from the jabba stuff which is i guess the the majority of the special edition editions well the i mean the sarlacc pit was i mean i i get why they did it like you know I, i'm fine with it i don't really care it's still it the effect doesn't look the effect really i they didn't seem to update it for the blu-rays which kind of stunned me because I thought they had a great opportunity just to re-render it, just yeah. do the same thing. I didn't mind, like I, I, you know, I got the, you know, the rationale behind it. Like it, it makes the Sarlacc more active, and I'm right. like, oh, okay, you know, all right, I can go along with that. Um, but but the, getting uh, rid of Max Rebo's band, yeah, I know, I know, I don't, I know, Lap Tie Neck versus. Uh, do you know why I dislike the fact that they cut out Lap Tie Neck? Lapty neck. Because Max Rebo is gone? Nope. Nope. Because oh. of a guy who worked on it. A young man named Ernie Faselius. 
Ernie Fuselius uh, made two of the greatest parody films in the history of humanity. The first one was Hardware Wars. Okay, yeah. And that's basically what got him the job doing Lapty Neck, right? Oh. It's like he got thrown a bone because it was like, hey, I like the way you make that joke, yeah. right? But he also made an incredible parody, the greatest film parody I have ever seen in my entire life or will ever see in my entire life called Pork Lips Now, which is, okay. of course, making fun of Apocalypse Now. Have you ever seen it? No, no. Pork Lips Now, if you... <laughs> You obviously have to have seen Apocalypse Now, but Poor Clips Now is is hands down the greatest film parody. It's only 15 minutes, and it is the greatest film parody in the history of film parody. Um, I will make sure that you see it. Okay. Uh, it, is, it is absolutely amazing. And the thing is, I miss Lapty Neck because Ernie Faselius wrote part of the song. And it's like, it's it's, you know local kid does good sort of thing where yeah. like he you don't even know it unless you look at deep in the credits and like i saw ernie Faselius's name and i was like oh that's so cool yeah you know like lucas saw hardware wars and was like yeah you know come on board i'll let you do something like that's great yeah so it's it's like kevin rubio writing episodes of clone wars you know right exactly exactly yeah. uh what do you think about the uh the revised ending of return of the jedi though I'm okay with it. I mean, I, I prefer the original, but I'm okay with the new one. You know, I think, you know, opening it up to other, you know, places and everything is kind of cool. I, I think, you know, editorially speaking, it works better in the in the original, and I think that the song is better in the original. You know, I like mm. Yub Nub, whatever. I, I, did, I never disliked Yub Nub. Um, but, you, you, know, uh, you know, that song has, like, English lyrics. Like yeah. my my mom has like sheet music for that song and it's weird. It's like yeah, well, no, I mean on the uh, on the original soundtrack it resolves to celebrate the fight, glory, celebrate the or something right, like and then celebrate, celebrate the, love. the love. Yeah, at the beginning yes. it's like it's like freedom. We've got freedom or something like yeah. that. I don't know. Strange. Well, and then there is of course the uh, the the rap music version done by Miko Minardo. Uh, have have you ever heard that? No, I don't think I so. Will make sure you hear that. All right, it is out all there. right, I will. It is out there. Okay. Uh, but uh, you know, I actually I really like the revised ending of Jedi. Um, I didn't have a problem with the original, but I I still really like the the revised ending. Um, Do you, okay, I mean, skipping ahead to a later edition. Yeah. Do you like having uh, Hayden Christensen put in there? I wrote a blog about that a long time ago, uh, and I will I will say this, that I am completely fine with it, and I have my own reasoning for why I'm fine with it. Um, I get why people complain about it, but I, I actually have no problem with it. Okay. Uh, and I, I mean that honestly. This is not being a Lucas apologist. Like, I totally plug into why he would be there. All right. I do. This so. is something which I, I you know, I, I haven't brought this up anywhere before, but I've been it's been bothering me ever since the movie came out. Why didn't they get Hayden Christensen to play Darth Vader in the new movie? I mean, I guess you can get anyone, but in Rogue One? Yeah. Uh because they never show his face, I guess. Oh, you uh, mean in the suit? Yeah. He's not tall enough. He had to okay. wear he had to wear uh lifts to wear the suit in uh Revenge of the Sith. 
Okay. All right. Well, I guess that's that's. Good. I mean, that's why, practically speaking, that's why you wouldn't get him. Also, the fact that uh, I believe that Ben Mendelsohn is tall enough that they had to get somebody who's even like bigger. even yeah even taller. If I recall correctly, in Rogue One, the guy who plays Vader is actually I, I I'm going to be off probably by a little bit, but I think it's two inches taller than Prowse was. Yeah. And but th- that was like a practical consideration because I guess people have gotten taller in the last four years or something. Interesting. Know. Interesting. Yeah. But anyway, it's been fun walking down uh, memory lane uh, for the uh, memory hyperspace lane for the special editions. And uh, you know what? I, we would love to hear from you, the listeners, about your memories of the special editions uh were they your first experience with star wars on the big screen were they revisiting uh, a beloved childhood friend that you'd seen on the big screen before uh go ahead and reach out to us at the nerdparty.com slash contact and go ahead and drop us an email we would love to hear from you uh and interact with you about that or you can reach out uh to us on uh twitter at join nerd party you can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the nerd party. And uh, Mike, where can people find you online? Uh, well, you can find me uh, on trek.fm doing stage nine with you, where we talk about the people who make Star Trek. And you can also find me on commentarytrackstars.com, where we do uh, audio commentaries for movies and, and other things. We, we've done commentaries for all the Star Wars movies and, and the special edition versions of most of them. Hmm. So you can check that out. And you can also find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. Yeah, and you can find me as Kessel Junkie out there uh, in the badlands of Twitter and uh, other social media networks. And you can find me co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig. You can find me uh, co-hosting with Mike, Stage 9, over on Trek.fm. And uh, be sure to pair this, uh, this episode of Great Shot Kid with an episode, a very special episode of Aggressive Negotiations here on the Nerd Party Network with a uh, special commentary of the Blu-ray version of the 1977 or 97 or 2004 or 2011 classic, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Yeah, you can listen to, to John and Matt talk about it, and then yes. you can go back to the beginning and you can listen to me talk about it with, uh, with, with Max and, and, and some other people. So, so there you go. I think that would be a great way to celebrate this fine anniversary, which is making a whole lot of us feel older than we really realized we were. 